Here, say amen. 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 Good to see all of you this morning. We appreciate all of you being here, all of our visitors being here. I pray, help me pray that the visiting preacher will be here real soon. Amen. <laughs> amen. The, the preachers like the evangelists love messing with a, a pastor. And uh, he's messing with me this morning. Amen. Let's all stand. We do want to open this. This service in prayer, and I'm going to ask Brother Clay Haynes, if he will, to come and open us in prayer. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be in your house to worship you this morning. Lord, I ask that while we're here that you uh, you bless the choir and their singing. Lord, I ask that you bless the preaching. Lord, give us the words that we need to hear today. Lord, we're so grateful, so grateful for all the blessings that you give us. And we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remain standing at page 28. I'm so glad I heard my
page 130. He looked ahead in 
when he was on the cross I was on his mind He knew me Yet he loved me In the story
Let's all stand again, page 88. any tithes and offerings, you can bring them and put them in the plate at this time.
this morning. If you're glad to be here, say amen in a big way. Amen. Good to see you. We appreciate all of you being here, especially our visitors. Thank you all for coming to Murrayville Baptist Church. I need to make a few announcements, and so listen closely. On June the 18th, the next generation will be having a night out, and they'll be having a sign-up sheet out on the table uh, this coming Wednesday. So remember that if you're a part of that group. Remember that. And I, we're, we're making a plea to our, our people that would be willing. We need help up there in the broadcast booth. Uh, if any of you are interested in learning how to work a PA system, how to do a, a camera system or whatever, please see Brother Chris Lauer and let him know that you're interested in helping us all the services that we have here at Merville, we broadcast live. And uh, we started that back in the times of COVID and want to upkeep that because that's such a good ministry. So if you would be interested to help in whatsoever capacity, let Brother Chris know. And he'll train you. He'll, And he's a good teacher. He's a wonderful teacher. He's a Oh, so-so. Okay. No, he's, he's a great teacher and works, works good with anybody, but please help us in that endeavor. We want more to help so we can rotate that more frequently to give those guys an opportunity to come down here and sit with their families. So remember that.
in his mind. He don't have second thoughts. He just keeps holding. Every day he just keeps holding. When the storms come, he keeps holding. When the mountain's high, he keeps holding. However, no matter what's yeah. going on in this yeah. world, he keeps holding. I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. It ain't up to me. Praise the Lord. These days, and I don't do so well. He keeps holding. Amen. On my good days, I still depend on him to keep holding. Yeah. just keeps holding. Praise the Lord.
thank you all for just minding the Lord. How many of you has ever had everything around you just fall apart? We all have. But thank God we'll go back to that hand. And we're in his hand, Brother Titus. No matter where you go, what you face, what, you, what may come in your life, that hand's underneath every one of us who are saved. I told Brother Bud, I said, Jesus said we're in his hand. He also said, I span the heavens with my hand. That's a big hand. <laughs> That's a, you, you won't go anywhere and get out of that hand once you're in it. You're in his hand. Amen. Well, today's a day that I've been looking so forward to with Brother Bud Stiltner coming to be with us. And we planned this a good while back. And so thankful that the day's finally come. And uh, I told him, I said, I said, Brother Bud, if I seem a little out of sorts today, I said, I got a splitting headache. Starts right there and goes right over there. And uh, so I said, don't mind me. I said, you just preach. I said, I need the devil preached out of me. Amen. Can I get a witness? My wife is the biggest shouter about that right there. Amen. So, Brother Bud, you come on and mind the Lord. Amen, preacher. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Glad you saved. Say amen. amen. Take your Bibles, please. The book of Genesis, chapter number 12. Genesis, chapter number 12. I'd like to read from verse number 1. If you'll bear with me and give me the... Liberty, I'd like to read all of the chapter. There's 20 verses in Genesis chapter number 12. That's not too bad, is it? 20, we could have been in Psalm 119. 176 verses there. Thank God for this book that we have. Aren't you glad we're not left to grope in darkness and feel our way through the Christian life? I like feelings, don't get me wrong now. I'm a, I'm a champion of the cause that it feels good to feel God. Help me somebody. Don't nobody get nervous. I've not been watching TBN. I've been reading King James Bible. Amen. And it feels too good to feel bad. So don't try to make me feel bad about feeling good. Amen. Brother John, thank you for letting me come and our family. What a blessing to be here. And uh, praise the Lord, church feels like church ought to feel, sounds like church ought to sound, looks like church ought to look. Amen. Hey, some places I go in nowadays, I don't know where I'm at when I get there. Amen. They go to sing and I'm not sure if I should raise a hand to praise the Lord or get out a cigarette lighter and hold it up. Amen. <laughs> don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know if they're singing about God or their girlfriend. I believe them old hymns that y'all were singing about are about the Lord. Amen. And a sweet spirit in the house of God. Ain't that good? Hey, I'm going to tell you something, y'all. I don't know how often you get out, but our lot uh, is to travel. Uh, we, we travel all over America and parts of Arkansas. Amen. And uh, that's just what we do. The Greek word evangelist, that's, that's a Greek word that means they won't give me a church. That's just what it means. So we're in we're in every we're in churches every week, different a different church every week, and not every church has this sweet spirit in it. And so you ought to really be thankful. And I'm gonna lay a verse on you right here. I'm gonna quote it to you. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Thank God for that. I, you know what made America great wasn't 
It wasn't freedom. Somebody say amen. It was liberty. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Thank God. Thank God for liberty. And the liber- where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. All right. If you're in Genesis chapter number 12, say amen. I want to look in verse number, well, I'm going to preach out of just maybe verses 6 through 10. But for good context, and I want to preface what I'm about to tell you by telling you that I really, and you're going to get mad when you find this out, but that's what evangelists, preachers are like magicians. We don't like people telling our, 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 the way we do things, but I tell it. That's how I stay in trouble all the time. I did when I was a pastor. Now they won't give me a church. I don't know what's going to happen if I, I may have to get a job if I work my way out of this. God forbid. I mean, help me. Pray for me. But uh, there, every sermon only has, you're going to be mad when I tell you. Every sermon only has one point. Oh, I know. I know. I know. Every preacher I've ever heard had more points than a Canadian porcupine. Amen. <laughs> That's just what to have. And I mean, hey, we... We didn't make it up. We just work here. So I say amen. But uh, really there's one burden. And I've got a burden to share with you. And I'm going to be honest with you. It'll take me all day to do it. But I'm not going to take all day to do it. Amen. I'm going to chop this thing up in half. I'm going to give you all a little bit this morning. And a little bit tonight. So I'm going to be honest with you. If you're not back tonight at 5 o'clock. This whole thing's not going to work. And so be back tonight. 5 o'clock. For part two of this, uh, I don't even know if it's a sermon. Maybe it is. I don't know. It's a, it's a burden. I'll tell you that. Look in Genesis chapter 12, probably the most important book in your Bible. Would you agree with that? Probably. I said probably because that's where I'm studying now. And if, I'm, if you catch me next month and I'm in, and I'm in, uh, and I'm in uh, Romans, I, I'll probably say it's probably Romans. But for now... Because I'm in Genesis. It's probably the most important book in your Bible. And Revelation. Revelation. Genesis and Revelation. The two most attacked books in the Word of God. You ever notice that? You ever notice that most false religions in the world always come out of either Genesis or Revelation? Have you ever noticed that? The two most misunderstood books, two most attacked books in the Bible. In fact, I believe that the devil would be content to give you a canon of Scripture with 64 books in it and leave you alone most of the time if he could just get Genesis and Revelation. Genesis tells us where we come from. Revelation tells us where we're going. Hallelujah, y'all. That's victory, amen. If you know where you come from and you know where you're going, you've got it beat. Praise the Lord for that. Well, I gave you a little extra time to find Genesis chapter number 12. I want to read from verse number 1. And I tell you what, let's do. Let's, uh, for sake of time, let's, let's read the first 10 verses. And then tonight we'll read the final 10 verses. Just to, just to keep my promise that I'm only going to preach half of this now and half of it tonight. Amen. Are you coming back tonight? You better act like you're going to because I'll jump down, turn around, and preach the whole thing right now. If I knowed you wasn't coming, I would, I promise you. In Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred 
and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make my name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land, unto the place of Sychem, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. There was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. I'm going to stop reading there in verse number 10. If you keep your Bible open, I'd like to show you some things that are there. Pray for me this morning. Pray for me and pray with me. Our Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for the sweet spirit that's in the house of God. I pray that you would bypass the feeble preacher this morning. I pray that you would take us by the hand and walk us through the pages of your Bible. Show us things and tell us things and, and do an eternal work in the heart of your people. And we'll give you glory, we'll praise you, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you notice back with me in chapter 12 and verse number 1? Here's what the Bible said of that great patriarch Abraham. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram. Has anybody noticed that the, there, are, there are very few details in the salvation experience of some of the Old Testament patriarchs? I could, put, I could take you to a verse and show you where God saved Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus when a bright light above the brightness of the noonday sun shone all around him and God saved him. But not every old, not every Bible character has that dramatic conversion. Some of them are shrouded in mystery. One such character is Abraham. Now, if you've been in your Bible any length of time, you know something about Abraham. All three major religions claim him as their head. He's considered the father of the faith. And in fact, three times in your Bible, he's referred to as the friend of God. And it's interesting. It does not say that, that God was Abraham's friend, although we know he was. What it means is God considered this man to be his friend. Oh, what a testimony, honey. What a testimony that God would 
consider this man to be his friend. And there, there's a, a great deal of mystery about his salvation experience. But I will tell you this, and I won't debate it with anybody. I don't believe in debating. But I believe that Abraham got saved by grace through faith without the works of the law. Help me somebody. You'll say amen because this is way before Mo Moses ever climbed up into Mount Sinai and brought down the Ten Commandments. And David got saved the same way Abraham did. And we got saved the same way David did. Help me somebody. And everybody that ever was saved saved, me the, same, saved the exact same way. By grace through faith. The Bible said that Abraham believed God and it was counted righteousness. Thank God for that. Thank God that Abraham... Would you say man if I were to tell you that Abraham was a saved man? I mean listen. They named... If I could say it like this. They named the Old Testament heaven after him. You do know when somebody died in the Old Testament they didn't just go to heaven. They went to a place called paradise. Well do you know what they called paradise? They called it Abraham's bosom. You ever read Luke chapter number 16? Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. Here's a saved man. And I, I brought that out. Here's not only just a saved man. He's called the father of the faith. Our faith is compared to that of faithful Abraham in Romans chapter number 4. And not only that, but he's considered the friend of God in three different places in your Bible. I said all that to say this. He has some struggles getting started in Genesis chapter number 12. All of the things that we know about Abraham. And if all you read about him was the New Testament narrative. And what Stephen wrote about him, preached about him rather, in Acts chapter number 7. Or if what Paul wrote about him in Romans chapter number 4. Or what James wrote about him in James chapter Chapter 2, or what the Hebrew writer wrote about him in Hebrews chapter number 11. You wouldn't know that there was any problems. You wouldn't know that there was any issues. This man who was known for his faith had experienced a great deal of fear. And he had issues and problems and failures and inconsistencies. Are you with me? I don't know what to say about a man who, uh, who will take 318 soldiers out of his house and go rescue his backslid nephew from five kings with all of them but every time he got into a bad neighborhood he would tell his wife you're my sister today throw her on the bus help me somebody I don't know what to say about a man like that but here's what God said about him that's my friend hallelujah did you know that a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again oh I wouldn't have called him a just man brother John I wouldn't have called him a just man Nobody. I might give a man one failure maybe two Help me somebody, maybe two, but three, hey, baseball, you're out, three strikes, you're out, help me somebody. But God didn't, God didn't, God didn't ask me what I thought about the just man. He just wrote it in his eternal book. He just pinned it down in an ever-ending eternal book and called him a just man. And just, we're all worried about his seven failures. When God's more concerned about his eight, hallelujah, he might have failed seven times, but he got up eight times hallelujah eight times he got back up and a just man followed seven times and riseth up again this man Abraham was not perfect if you all you read about him is the New Testament narrative you would think that he was perfect and I've got a theory on that 
I got a theory. Reason why none of his problems are mentioned in the New Testament is because when you get on the right side of Calvary, all of your sins are gone. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know if you believe in saying amen out loud in church. It's not a requirement. If I wrote the book, it would be, thou shalt back the preacher. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be the 11th commandment. Thou shalt say amen when the preacher says something good. Hallelujah. But it's not in there, so you ain't got to do that. But I will tell you, you'll burn a lot more calories if you'll participate in the sermon. Amen. It's good cardio. Don't knock it till you try it. We're getting our steps in. We're building. It's a healthy lifestyle. Amen. But look at it. Look at it. If you get on the right side of Calvary, here's what the Hebrew writer said. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hallelujah, honey. God's not going to bring up your failures. He's not going to bring up your falters. He's not going to bring up your issues when you get on the right side of Calvary. Hallelujah. I enjoy my own preaching sometimes. I want you to notice with me here. At the bottom of verse number one, here's what he says. He says, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. God is interested in Abraham getting in a place. Now, you and I have the benefit of looking back on this narrative and we happen to know that that place is the, we call it the Holy Land. It's called the land of Canaan. A land flowing with milk and honey. The land of plenty. A land of promise. And that's where God, by the way, that's what, that's what Canaan is a picture of. It's not a type of heaven like our songbooks sometimes portray. I'm not mad about it, but I don't get my theology from the songbook. Help me somebody. No, no bit more than I get my news from CNN. <laughs> Y'all right? I don't get my drinking water from the toilet. Can I get a witness? No, no, I don't let, I let my Bible tell me what it means. And a consistent type. I'm a literal man like your pastor is, but I'm, I believe there are types in the Bible. And Canaan is a picture, a reminder, a shadow of the will of God. If it were heaven, there would be no battles. I wish you'd say amen right here. If it were heaven, there'd be no valleys. There'd be no storms. There'd be no trouble. There'd be no difficulty. Did you know when they got into Canaan, they had to fight giants? When they got into Canaan, they had to cross rivers. When they got into Canaan, they had to deal with situations problems, difficulties, hard times. And honey, listen, if you're in God's will, it don't matter what difficulties you face. As long as you can pillow your head at night and say, I know that I am where God wants me to be. There is a peace that passeth understanding. You can fight giants all day as long as you're in God's will. Hallelujah. Canaan's not a picture of heaven, but rather a picture of the will of God. It was not God's will for Abraham to be in the Ur of the Chaldees. Which if you'll go back into chapter 11, you'll find out that's the, that was the land of his nativity. That's where he was raised, in Ur of the Chaldees. Now, I don't know how much you study about the Chaldeans. Have you ever read the book of Job? A lot of people don't read the book of Job because they think it's pronounced Job. And they won't turn there without a $2,000 signing bonus. You can relax. It's not job. It's pronounced Job. I encourage you to read it. 42 chapters right before you get to the book of Psalms. And, but he, them Chaldeans, y'all, them Chaldeans are the ones that made out three bands and stole Job's camels. 
I don't know how you feel about it, but I got no use for a camel stealer. Help me, somebody. And so it was not God's will for Abraham to be hanging out in the Ur of the Chaldees with them no bacon-eating, moon-worshipping camel stealers in the Ur of the Chaldees. He said in verse number 1, the first thing we find out when God reveals his will to Abraham, get thee out of thy country. Get out, get out of them. Here's what it says in the original Masoretic Hebrew. Get away from them, no bacon-eating, moon-worshipping st- ca- camel stealers. That's what, you, you just got to really read into it, really probably, I don't know, maybe. My guess is as good as anybody else's. I ain't never seen the originals neither. Amen. But here's what he said. Give thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Did you read verses 2 and 3? There is a sevenfold blessing that God has in mind for Abraham. Seven things specifically mentioned in verses 2 and 3 that God's going to do for Abraham. But the promises of God, the, excuse me, the blessings of God on Abraham are contingent upon him getting in the right place. He had to get in that place, into that land that I will show thee. I want you to understand something, that God never blessed Abraham until he got in the land. God never made him a blessing until he got in the land. God never provided his protection and his provision and his hand upon him and made him the great nation that he is and gave him that great name he promised him until he got in the land. What I'm trying to say to you is that if you get in God's will, that's the place where God's decided to bless you and protect you and provide for you. Hallelujah, in that place. Now, in the Old Testament economy, that place was generally the land of Israel. And you had to go to a certain place in that certain place. And uh, anytime, in fact, anytime you see somebody walking in Canaan land, they're walking in God's will. When you see somebody leave Canaan land, they're leaving God's will. Help me somebody. That's going to be real important tonight when I show you verse number 10 when Abraham left Canaan and went to Egypt. All right. Now, it's God's will. Here was God's will for him to go to Canaan's fair land. And that was the place that God promised to protect him, to provide for him, and to bless him if he got in that place. It was God's will for him to be in Canaan. And I want you to notice something here. Look at verse number four. Look at your Bible. I'm going to look at my watch. It's, on, it's one of them fancy watches my kids bought me for Christmas. It was on calendar. <laughs> Sorry. You, you know you're preaching too long when you tell time by the calendar. I put it back. Put it back. Look at, verse, look at chapter 12 and verse number four. At the bottom. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. I don't know how long Abraham spent in Haran, but he's between Ur the Chaldees and Haran. Abraham spent 75 years. 75 years somewhere besides God's will. Are you with me? 75 years. Now, Abraham was 175 when he died. And so that means he, did, he lived almost half of his life in a place other than the will of God. That don't sound like the father of faith I read about in the New Testament. That don't sound like the friend of God. I, it took him 75 years. It took him 75 years to get in God's will. 
into that place of promise. God's not going to bless him in Ur the Chaldees. God is not going to bless him in Haran. That's not where God said for him to go. By the way, did you know that Haran, if you look on a map, Ur the Chaldees is a southernmost part of Babylon area. We call it Babylon. All the way up the Euphrates River to the very top, right before you get into the land of Canaan, is a place called Haran. It is geographically halfway between Ur of the Chaldees and Canaan land. Halfway. They got halfway and stopped. Halfway to the will of God and quit. Halfway in God's will is all the way out of God's will. Oh, it's three takeaway lessons I'd like for you to learn today between this morning and tonight. Number one is that it's not as hard to get in God's will as you may think it is. You know why people won't follow God? Because they think they can't. Amen. They think they cannot do God's will because they do not feel that they're able to do God's will. Well, let me help you out. You're not. <laughs> Nobody can do God's will in our own power. God's not going to ask you to do something you can do. If it's something you can do, you ought to be doing it. God don't need to ask you to do it. If it's something you can do, you ought to just go ahead and do it. Help me, somebody. But God will run you out on a limb and ask you to do things that you can't do just so you'll look up to him and say, I can't do it. And then God will do it through you, things that, he, that you could not do on your own. Hallelujah. I may sign my own Bible again. It's not as hard to get in God's will as you may think it is. It shouldn't have took 75 years for him to get serious with God. Should not have taken 75 years for him to get in God's will. It's not as hard to get in God's will as you may think it is. Number two, and I'm getting way ahead of myself on this overview of chapter 12. It's not as hard to get out of God's will as you may think it is. In fact... He gets in God's will in verse number 5. By the time you get to verse number 10, he's out of God's will. Help me somebody. If Canaan is the place uh, that God wanted him to be, Canaan was God's will for Abraham's life. And he left Canaan in verse number 10 and went down into Egypt. Now here I am telling you another type. I'm not a big fan of types, but there are types in the Bible. Egypt is a type of this world. Pharaoh is a type and a picture of Satan and slavery. Do you remember the children of Israel went to sojourn in the land of Egypt? That's in the lifetime of Jacob and were there for 430 years in slavery down in Egypt. That was not God's will. It was not God's will for them to be enslaved in Egypt. It was not God's will for them to wander aimlessly for 40 years in the wilderness. It was not God's will. God had a place in mind for them. Happened to be this same place. The land flowing with milk and honey. A place of protection and provision where God wanted him, wanted them to be. Oh my. It's not as... I mean five verses later, he just got in God's will and got right back out of God's will. It's not as hard to get in God's will as you may think it is. Number two, it's not as hard to get out of God's will as you may think it is. But if you'll read down to the end of that chapter, hallelujah, God. Y'all stay tuned tonight. Or you come back tonight, I, I'll be honest with you. What I really want to preach, I'm going to preach tonight. See how I did that? Huh? That's not fair, is it? Well, I hate it for you. 
<laughs> oh, my. I used to do anything to get them to come back on Sunday night. I told them one night, I said, I'm going to show y'all something tonight you ain't never seen before and you'll never see it again. You'd have thought we was having a vote or homecoming or both. Amen. I mean, everybody. There's people I hadn't seen since Easter that was there. Praise God. There was folks there I'm pretty sure never met. <laughs> they said, what's he going to show us? They called my wife. What's he got? She says, I have no idea. I pulled out a yellow peanut M&M out of my pocket. I said, y'all see that? You ain't never seen that before. I popped it in my mouth. I said, you'll never see it again. I turned to John chapter 8. Praise God. Tricked us again. I really got a burden to preach something. Huh? But I'm going to save that for tonight. It's not as hard to get back in God's will as you may think it is. Amen. This is just 20 verses. Just, just one chapter in this man's life. And he's out of God's will, gets in God's will... Five verses later, gets out, back out of God's will. Five verses later, gets back in God's will. <laughs> Hallelujah. It ain't as hard to get in God's will as you may think it is. Number two, it's not as hard to get out of God's will as you may think it is. But number three, thank God for this one. It's not as hard to get back in God's will as you may think it is. See, the devil will tell you once you mess it up. Once you break it, it's broke. And once you leave, you're gone and you can't never go back. Hallelujah. Have you ever read about the parable of the prodigal son? The parable of the prodigal son where he went off into the far country. Here's some things that the prodigal... I can't believe I'm giving you all a free sermon. Buy one, get one free sermons. Today only. You're welcome. He learned some things about the far country. Number one, he learned the far country is not as far as he thought it was. Oh, help me, Jesus. Help me, somebody. You see, it's just, it's just one step away, really. It's just one step away. Really, the far country is not as far as you may think it is. Number two, he found out the far country wasn't as far. I can't believe I'm giving y'all a free, a, a brand new free sermon for free. Well, Jesus saves and so does Brother Bud. Amen. Let that reflect next time the offering plate passes you by. Amen. Come on, y'all. Come on now. The far country is not as far as he thought it was. Number two, it's not as fun as he thought it was. In fact, everything he was looking for, everything he wanted, everything he wanted, found it back at the father's house. It was there all along. <laughs> they call it the parable of the prodigal son, but they really ought to call it the parable of the fatted calf. He's mentioned more times than the father, mentioned more times than the prodigal, and mentioned more times than the prodigal's brother. Hallelujah ought to go right there. It's not as fun. The far country is not as far as you may think it is. It's not as fun as you think it is. But here's one I like. Praise God. It's not as, it's not as final as you may think it is. That old boy didn't know he could go back. He thought, I'm going to go back. If I do get to go, if I can go back, I'm going to have to live out in a barn with Junebug and Bubba and them. Help me, somebody. He didn't know. He didn't know. But the father had a robe waiting on him and a ring waiting on him and some shoes waiting on him and a fatted calf waiting on him and a father standing on that porch looking down that dusty road that carried him off waiting on the day when his boy came back home. Honey, hey, it's it's not as hard to get out of God's will as you think it is, but it ain't as hard to get back in God's will. Amen. Praise God. Let's preach this a while, shall we? Here are some things he found when he got in God's will. That's the title of my sermon. Some things you'll find when you get in God's will. 
Here's four of them. Look at it quick. My watch just died. It literally just died. What does that mean? That's a sign. That's a sign from the Lord. Look at, look at verse number 6. I'm going to run through these quickly because I want you to come back tonight. Some things he found when he got in God's will. And tonight, oh, these here may surprise you, did me. Tonight, I'm going to preach on, Lord willing, unless it changes, I'm going to preach on some things he found when he got out of God's will. God forbid that you should need that, but I'm afraid you probably need that. Amen. Some things he found when he got in God's will. Tonight, I'm going to preach on some things he found when he got out of God's will. Look at your Bible, verse number 6. Well, I hate to not read verse 5. And Abram took Sarai's wife and, his lot, and Lot, his brother's son. And all the substance they had gathered. I'm in verse number 5. Souls they had gotten in Haran. Watch this now. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Now, let me pause you right there. And, and show you a verse in chapter 11. Would you turn back one page to chapter 11 and look at verse number 31? Here's the point I'd like to make in verse, chapter 11, verse 31. This is not the first attempt that Abraham made in getting into the land of Canaan. Look at verse number 31. And Terah took Abram. Terah was in charge of this outfit, it looks like. Terah took Abram, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from, the Ur, from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, semicolon. Did you see that semicolon there? Do y'all, I know y'all didn't come to get a grammar lesson, but just bear with me. I'm from Alabama. What do you want me to do? I just found out about these things. A, a semicolon. What that means is that, that, was, should have, that should have been the end of the story, but there's more to it. Hallelujah. There's more to the story than just what was said. Look at verse number 11, 31 again. They went forth with them from Ur the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. That's when they got halfway and stopped. Halfway and held up. I preach on some holdups in Haran. Some, some, some things that'll hold you up halfway. Y'all want to hear that one? You got to bring me back. Amen. See how I did that? That's called job security. No more free sermons for y'all. This ain't, ain't pay less shoes, honey. Amen. Look at your Bible. Look at your Bible. I'm in, verse number, I'm in chapter 12 now in verse number 6. Chapter 11, verse 31. They already made an attempt. They went forth with them to go into the land of Canaan. Semicolon. And they went into the, and they came to Haran and dwelt there. Inevitably, those who dwell in Haran die in Haran. Terah never made it into Canaan. Look at chapter 12 and verse number 6. And Abram, oh, I'm sorry, chapter 12 and verse number 5. All their substance they had gathered and the souls they'd gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. There's that semicolon again. Drum roll, please. Dramatic pause. And they and into the land of Canaan they came. Hallelujah. After 75 years, after 75 long years of being somewhere else, he is finally in God's will. Hallelujah. Let the good times roll. Am I right about it? Huh? Let the blessings begin. Look at verse number six. Not only did he get in God's will. Look, he, went to, he passed through the land under the place of Sycam, under the plain of Mora. You'll have some fun. Look at them maps. It's probably the first one in your maps section. Look at where the plain of Mora is. Look at the plain of, the plain of Sycam, the place of Mora. Look at where that's at. It is, it, hallelujah. I'm getting blessed by my own preaching. Imagine that. It is in the middle. It's smack dab, y'all. 
It's not on the outside edge of God's will. It's right in the middle of Canaan. You can't get more central than this place right here. He, Abraham has made it. After 75 long years, he has finally made it into God's will. Smack dab in the middle of God's will. Now look at the first thing he found. Abram passed through the land in verse number 6. Passed through the land of the plain of, place of Sychem under the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. You have got to be kidding me. Just got, he just got in Canaan land. And here he is. He's got to deal with Canaanites. Now, I don't know how much you've studied these Canaanites, but the Canaanites make them camel stealing, no bacon eating moon worshipers in Ur of the Chaldees look like a junior boy's Sunday school class. Amen. It's the wickedest bunch you'll read about in your Bible. They, they offered their children to a God called Moloch. I'll not go into details. But it was a wicked, wicked, wicked thing. The devil's always been after the children. And the Bible said that the land spewed them out. That means God, God didn't evict them. The land got so fed up with their iniquity and how bad they were that the land evicted them. Help me somebody. And those Canaanites were in the land. Soon as Abraham gets in God's will, he got it. I understand. I can expect him to be hanging out with bad people when you're in bad places. I would expect finding somebody like that in Ur of the Chaldees. And don't surprise me. In fact, I wouldn't surprise, it wouldn't be surprised if they were over there held up at that half place it called Haran. It wouldn't surprise me running to folks like this. But here he is in the will of God. He's finally in God's will, doing what God said to do, obeying the word of God, and he's run into the Canaanites. Here's my point. First thing Abraham found when he got in God's will was unfriendly people. Oh my. Not everybody was happy about Abraham getting in God's will. Come on now, y'all. You gonna come here? You gonna come here? Not everybody was happy about Abraham getting in God's will. In fact, that's about how it happens just about everywhere. I referenced Luke chapter 15, the parable of the prodigal son. You remember what happened when the little brother came home? When, when the little brother came home and he, he was in the far country and, he, and big brother was out in the field. And big brother came in and he heard music and dancing. Help me somebody. And he got mad. Here's what happened. When little brother got glad, big brother got mad. And that's exactly how it is with some of us. When as soon as, if we was out there living like the world, nobody would say anything. I myself am the first person in my family to ever get saved. And they saw me do things that they, I'm telling you, honey, if, if folks knew about it, I'd be in a chain link fence in Cuba right now with somebody pouring water in my face. Amen. Don't, get, don't ask me no details. I was roped into most of it anyway. Amen. Blame my big brother for it. Stealing watermelons and all kinds of stuff. Amen. And nobody ever said anything when I was living like the devil. Nobody ever said anything when I was running, running around in the world lost and on my way to hell. Nobody ever said anything. But the moment I took a Bible under my arm, help me somebody. I remember when God saved me, I got born again by the grace of God. I started going to church. I remember that first time they, they saw me going to church. I, was, I, I didn't have a suit on like now. I was wearing a pair of khakis and a, and a polo. I looked like Jake from State Farm. Amen. Doing the best I could do. I took that Bible under my arm and here I go. Start off to the house of God. And they said, wait a minute. Where are you going? I said, I'm going to church. And they just looked at me like I joined some kind of cult religion. Huh? Yeah. I started back out that evening. They said, wait, 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 wait. Where are you going now? I said, it's Sunday night. 
Sunday night when people go back to church, like tonight at 5 o'clock when you'll all come back. See how a Jedi mind trick I just did on y'all. See that? Huh? They said, uh, church two, two times in one day? I said, yep. Walked out the door. Huh? Wednesday night. What are we gonna, where are you going now? I didn't have on my Jake from State Farm outfit then. I was wearing a uniform. Valley Machine Welding Company. I didn't have time to change. I went right from right to home from work. Picked, got my wife. We went on church. There we go. Church. Say, where are you going now? Wednesday night. I says, prayer meeting. We're going to church. Help me, somebody. Are y'all with me? I didn't have a heart telling about tithing. I was afraid they'd have an intervention for me. Call the law. Huh? Needless to say, not everybody was happy about it when old brother Bud got in. And that's how it is. You know why a lot of people get out of God's will as soon as they get in God's will, like Abraham? Because as soon as they get in God's will, they run into unfriendly people. Number two, come here, come here, come here. Look at verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto Abram, said, unto thy seed will I give this land. And he built an altar. What do you reckon old Abraham was praying about? Built an altar. Well, if, I hate to keep making you do this, but if you look back to chapter 11, look back to chapter 11 and verse number 30. Just look back to chapter 11 verse number 30. But Sarah, that's, that's Abraham's wife. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. Now look at again what God told him. No sooner did Abraham get in God's will, God showed up. Hallelujah, y'all. No sooner did Abraham get in God's will and God showed up and started talking to Abraham. This is what he said to Abraham. Unto thy seed will I give this land. Well, the only problem is Abraham don't have any seed. He's talking about children. Abraham doesn't have any children because his wife Sarai is barren. Are you with me? Are you picking up on what I'm putting down? Here, here's how I said it. Soon as he got in God's will, he found, number one, unfriendly people. Number two, he found unfulfilled promises. You don't think that was a problem? Take, take a right, a slight right, to chapter 15. Look at chapter 15. Don't, if you come to Revelation, honey, you went too far. Turn around, go back like you came. I'm, I'm still in Genesis. I'm in chapter 15 now. Look at chapter 15 of verse number 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram, said in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in, my, in my, now, my house is mine heir. Are you with me? This is an issue that Abraham dealt with his entire soul. You remember he went into, Hagar, went into Hagar, married Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, the Egyptian, had Ishmael. Help me somebody. You see, Abraham had some problems here. And here's his problem. No sooner did he get in God's will, God spoke to him. But the promise of God did not come to pass. Do you know how old Abraham was when God promised him a seed? He was at least 75 years old. When God promised him he's going to have a child. Do you know how old Abraham was when he held Isaac in his arms? He was 100 years old before he held Isaac into his arm. You know what that means? He had to wait on God for 25 years. 25 years. 25. We can't wait 25 minutes. 25 years for God to fulfill his word. Unfulfilled promises. 
It don't look like God's coming through for Abraham. That's why he, him and Sarah had to help God out. Huh? Oh, my. You know why people get out of God's will? Because they, what God says he'll do sometimes don't always come to pass when they think it ought to. But tell you something about God. He does not dwell in this capsule of time that you and I live in. Past, present, and future. God's not bound by a chain of events. He lives outside of time called eternity. Help me somebody. God is not governed by time. Oh my. Abraham had to wait on God. Unfriendly people. Number two, unfulfilled promises. Oh, I like this one. Are you looking at verse number eight? I'm going to be done in a minute now. I ain't got before these. Could have been 12. Amen. Praise God. Ain't nothing I like better than a short sermon. Praise the Lord. Here it comes to at you. Look at verse number 8. He removed from thence into a mountain on the east of Bethel, pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar. What's old Abraham praying about now? What's he praying about now? You know what Abraham found when he finally got in God's will? He finally got in God's will. He found unfriendly people. I, that surprises me. When you get in God's will, ain't things are supposed to be smooth. Huh? He's got crazy neighbors. He's in God's will. And he got in God's will and he found there were unfulfilled promises. That don't make any sense. I can understand God not keeping his end of the bargain if he was held up halfway in Haran or if he was in Ur of the Chaldees. I can understand God not doing what God said he would do. Here's a man who is where God said for him to be, doing what God said for him to do according to the word of God. And things are not working out like he planned it. Are y'all with me? Oh, look at look, verse number eight. He's got, here he's got his tent. He's got his tent pitched between Bethel and Hai. He's literally at a crossroads. If he goes one way, he's going to go to a place called Bethel. If he goes the other way, he's going to go to a place called Hai. And here's what he found when he finally got in God's will. Unfamiliar places. Now this ain't fair. This ain't right. This don't make any sense. I can understand him not knowing which direction to go when he was out there living like any old way. Are y'all with me? But here he is. He's following God. He's where God said for him to go. Now, I don't know how y'all thought about God's will, but when I was out of God's will, looking in at God's will, I thought all my problems were going to be solved. I thought everything was going to be fine. Help me, somebody. I thought I would know which direction to go in God's will. Here's what Abraham found when he finally got in God's will. Unfamiliar places. Let's look at these places. Bethel. Now, you Bible readers are familiar with that place. That's, that's, that means the house of God. Bethel. If he were to go this path, it would take him to a place called Bethel, the house of God. Hai, on the other hand, means a heap of ruins. Now, here's the only choices that Abraham had. And by the way, these are the only choices that you and I have. He was either going to live his life toward a place called Bethel, which means the house of God, or his life will become a heap of ruin in Hai. And those are the only choices that you and I have. You'll either live your life at the house of God, or your life will become a heap of ruin. I'm not trying to scare you into going to church. 
I'm, not, I'm just trying to tell you that's how things are. That's the only two decisions. Don't be surprised if you walk away from the known will of God. You're in a place right now where you know God wants you to be. That's the place, that's the place of protection. Did you know that there's a hedge? And there again, I go reference in the book of Job when most people don't read it because they think it's pronounced Job. Did you know there was a hedge around Job? It, yes, a hedge. God had protected him. And did you know there's a hedge around you? And that hedge of protection is the house of God. House of God, there's a place of protection and provision. There's no telling at the calamities that would have befallen you if you'd have been in a place where he could find you. But you were hidden, hallelujah, in God, in Christ Jesus, hidden. Thank God and the devil couldn't get to you in this place of protection. Walk away from that. The only other option is hey, I, a heap of ruin. How many times? You probably right here right now could testify of somebody you know. Used to go to church and now they don't. Now look at their life. We don't rejoice in that. It breaks our heart. I'm just trying to warn people. I'm just trying to tell you. You'll either live your life in the house of God or you'll live your life, it'll turn into a heap of ruin. Let me give this last one and I'm done. Look at verse number 10. Well, my OCD won't let me read verse 9. So look at verse 9. And Abram journeyed from going on still toward the south. Now that's a problem. He's facing the wrong direction. That's a, that's a red flag. Help me somebody. Huh? Verse 10, and there was a famine in the land. Oh my goodness. Where was this famine at? The land of Canaan. Do you know that every Old Testament patriarch had to deal with a famine in the land of Canaan? There was a famine in the land of Canaan in the life of Isaac in Genesis 26. Everybody knows about the famine in the land in the life of Jacob when God had sent Joseph down to preserve life seven years. You remember the story, seven, the dream of Pharaoh, seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows and they didn't gain weight and that's why we hate skinny people. Oh, wait a minute, that's, that's my interpretation. That's not, that's a personal thing probably. And uh, every Old Testament patriarch had to deal with a famine in the land. You ever read the book of Ruth? Probably have because it's only four chapters. Most preached book in the Bible. I don't know why they don't go to Philemon. They have one chapter there. Or Jude. They're scared of it. Anyway. Huh? A famine in the land. He just got in the land. Here's what God told him. I want you to go to a land I will show thee. And when you get there, seven, a sevenfold blessing of God. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'll make a great nation out of you. It's going to be such a... I will bless the pudding out of you is what God says to Abraham. I'm going to bless you. If you'll get in that place where I want you to get, I will bless... We, you and I know it to be the land flowing with milk and honey. Well, you know what Abraham found when he finally got in God's will? Wasn't no milk and honey flowing. He found a famine. Do y'all know what a famine is? It's a result of a drought. Do you know... What a drought is. It's a result of no rain. Do you know who controls the rain? China. I'm just kidding. God Almighty. God's the only one that can control the rain. God is the only one that can make the blessings fall from heaven. I call it heaven's withholdings. Oh my, this ain't right. He, I can understand a drought in the, with them camels stealing moon worshippers in the earth of the Chaldees. I can understand a drought in that halfway hold up of Haran. I could understand if there was a drought, but he's in God's will. He's doing what God said to, and there's a drought. You know why people leave God's house? 
because it dries up sometimes. There are, oh, hear me right here, hear me. There are seasons, even in God's will, where it gets dry. Oh, my. Have y'all ever had that? <laughs> you ever have that? Preacher, I just ain't getting fed. Well, maybe you're in one of them seasons. Huh? Here's what, here's what Abraham found. Abraham found when he got in God's will. Number one, verse six, he found unfriendly people. That ain't right. That don't make sense. Number two, he found unfulfilled promises. God is not keeping his end of the deal. Number three, God, he found unfamiliar places. He, he's in God's will. He should know. He should know where to go. Number four, what did he find when he finally got in God's will? He found unfair problems. There was a famine in the land. Now, that's not fair. You remember Mary and Martha in John 11? Lord, he, he whom thou lovest is sick. He called him in plenty of time for him to come. Here's what Martha said. If thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. You know what she meant by that? I sat on my couch and I watched you heal people. And I know you can do this. And you weren't here when I needed you. Am I right about it? Have you ever watched God answer everybody else's prayer? You ever watched God come through for everybody else? Then when it comes your time to need some help, don't seem like he's anywhere near. That don't seem fair, does it? Oh my, well, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do about that child of God? You know what Abraham did? I'm going to tell you what Abraham did. Abraham got out of God's will. Went down to Egypt. Oh my. Oh my. Now you tune in tonight. I, I want you to find out. I want you, I want you to know. I want you to know. I want you to know what you'll find. God forbid, preacher, that anybody under the sound of my voice should experience this. But I want you to know from God's word some things you'll find if you get out of God's will. Genesis chapter 12 and verses 10 through 20. Let's all stand together. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'll have a word of prayer. Preacher's coming. Let's, let's have a song, if that's all right. Song of an invitation. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the patience of God's good people as we've labored together in the scriptures. I pray, Lord, you'd do what we cannot do. Go where we cannot go and say what we cannot say. I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here lost, that you'd save them. Somebody here that's outside of the will of God, that you'd help them. You'd bring them home. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, preacher. He begins to play this morning. If you're here and maybe you don't know what all this is about called church and preaching, I promise you being in the will of God is the best place to be in this crazy, mixed-up world we live in. Can I get a witness right there? I'd hate to be living in this crazy, mixed-up world out of the will of God and not realizing what's going on. At least I know what's going on in the will of God. If you're here this morning, you need the Lord in your life. Please come. He'll save whosoever. I promise you that. He'll save anybody that'll come to Him. He's promised. He said, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. If you need Jesus in your life, 
Come on. Come on. How about you, child of God? Maybe you've been tempted lately to get out of the will of God. Maybe things have gotten so heated, so mixed up in your life, you've been thinking, maybe I just need to go somewhere else. Maybe I just need to stay at home. Maybe I just need to do this or do that. Why don't you come and protect yourself in prayer? You notice everything that Abraham did. He built an altar, built an altar. He kept praying, kept praying, kept praying. You better not leave these altars. You better not forsake these altars. While we bow our heads, while she's just softly playing and people begin coming, would you come? Would you come? Would you be the one to come? Would you be the one to come, child of God, and say, Lord, please don't let me get out of the will of God. Please, dear God, don't let me venture away from where you got me at. Would you be the one to come, lost, lost individual that needs Jesus settled in your heart? Would you be the one to come right now and just call on his mighty name and say, Lord, please save me. As Terry begins to sing this old hymn, would you be the one to come right now?